This podcast is supported by CoinKite, the one-stop shop for everything you need to secure, use, and express your obsession for Bitcoin. The MK4, a new version of the hugely popular cold card hardware wallet, is out now with lots of new features for helping you to secure your Bitcoin. If you like to keep track of block time or keep track of the SATS USD exchange rate, the Block Clock Mini is the way to do it. And the gang at CoinKite have recently released the Tap Signer, which is an NFC-enabled card which holds a private key, allowing you to separate your keys from your wallets while still allowing for super easy transaction signing. To learn more about all their awesome gear and stay up to date on their new products, visit coinkite.com. Let's do it. There we go. We're live. Nozomi, uh, thank you so much for taking the time for a chat today. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so I've been, I actually, I, I meant to reach out a long time ago for one of these discussions because I've enjoyed some of the, the pieces you've written. And, you know, of course they fall in, probably to the more esoteric category of, of Bitcoin uh, thought pieces, which I'm very interested in. And then I saw that you were on Rob's show, uh, I guess, last week or maybe even this week, and it kind of jogged my memory. So uh, that's why I wanted to put this together. But uh, perhaps for people that aren't familiar with you or haven't seen any of your work, maybe a, a brief introduction uh, before we get rolling. Sure. Um, so I think I, um, maybe I should just, just speak a little bit about how I came to Bitcoin in the first place, and that would maybe help uh, your listeners to understand, uh, have a sense of who I am and my background. And then also, you know, maybe I can uh, introduce some of the concepts that we could discuss. Um, so I first um, discovered Bitcoin at the end of 2010. And that was when uh, WikiLeaks, uh, Julian Assange of WikiLeaks, uh, considered using Bitcoin as a way to circumvent the financial blockade. And at that time, you know, the, the organization, after organization, released the uh, documents uh, relating to war in Afghanistan and Iraq, then obviously the organization was subjected to massive political uh, retaliation by the U.S. government. And so, you know, therefore, you know, Julian, uh, who was uh, part of uh, notable cypherpunks, understood the significance of Bitcoin early on. So he considered using it. And, um, and at that time, I was very much kind of into WikiLeaks and, um, and, uh, and then, then the, you know, Satoshi and, and later we found out like Satoshi and Julian were in conversation and Satoshi asked Julian not to use uh, Bitcoin at, uh, at that time because the technology was still in, in its infancy. And then Julian complied and then the WikiLeaks didn't use it until, you know, six months later uh, in June um, 2011. Um, and, and so at that time, I was actually uh, at the grad school studying psychology and, um, and the WikiLeaks, um, uh, with the publication of the Cloud of Matter video, significantly, I mean, profoundly changed my life. And um, so ever since that, um, I kind of got into trying to understand what WikiLeaks is and what it does and, and the philosophy behind it. And, and specifically Julian Assange's philosophy. And that led me to um, study, I mean, led me to discover philosophy of, of, of cypherpunks. And um, so for me, you know, obviously I, I was very intrigued with the fact that what Bitcoin can do and its censorship resistance and the, you know, I was able to see the practical application of it and then the power that the Bitcoin provides. Um, um, and, but, you know, um, 
you know, so it was kind of a natural progression for me to appreciate uh, Bitcoin um, after, you know, being exposed to the significance of Wikileaks at that time. And Wikileaks is a censorship resistant uh, publisher. But um, for me, um, fundamentally, it's, I, I recognize uh, Wikileaks as a project of free software movement. So, you know, many people think of Wikileaks only as a journalistic organization, and which is true, but Wikileaks is much more than journalistic organization. And at its core, you know, it's, it's based on the cypherpunk's philosophy and it, it's, it, it uh, Julian Assange created the platform for democracy and found a way to enable freedom around the world. And that the way Wikileaks did it was uh, by building a decentralized technological infrastructure and uh, landing the server uh, through, you know, uh, going through the various jurisdictions, uh, the jurisdictions that have um, uh, strong um, uh, uh, freedom of freedom protection, freedom of speech protection, you know, privacy, freedom of um, uh, speech protection. And, and so what Julian did was Julian created the global force state on the internet, on the internet um, and, and to create um, safe haven for journalists and whistleblowers. And so that kind of, you know, um, the, the creative application of cryptography basically by using strong cryptography and create a new state, so to speak, you know, new state where democracy uh, and, and uh, the value of freedom are uh, defended, you know, are secured. Um, so that core philosophy really fascinated me and led me to kind of study deeply about uh, Julian's, uh, you know, psychopath's philosophy. And um, so, you know, and then at the same time, what I saw was uh, the, the, there's a trend of uh, corporate-led globalization, you know, the corporations, transnational corporations that have no allegiance to any uh, nation, you know, they are able to place themselves above the law, you know, and the way they did it was, you know, they basically um, created like offshore tax haven, for instance, in a, in a case of, you know, Cayman Island, for instance, or, uh, you know, offshore detention center in the case of Guantanamo Bay prison, and where, you know, they, they could be immune from the US constitution, right, for instance, in the case of Guantanamo Bay, and they were able to do it by harmonizing certain kind of laws, you know, rigging the laws and, um, you know, uh, the corporations like move, move to the uh, countries that have uh, weak in labor law, like Indonesia and China to set up the um, exploitative practice of uh, cheap labor, you know, sweatshop type of operation, right? And they were able to do it because, um, you know, they somehow find a loophole in, in the legal system. And, um, and then what, what Wikileaks has done is that Wikileaks has done the opposite, you know, basically doing something similar to what corporations are doing, but they want to harmonize laws that are strong in protection of freedom, protection of human rights to create a new state, you know? And so that was the verse of the, uh, Wikileaks and the project of, of you know, the psychopaths as I see it. And obviously, you know, the Wikileaks was not completely decentralized organization, uh, so it was not, you know, quite sensitive resistance, right? So because of it, the Julian Assange, its founder, you know, has been confined uh, to prison, you know, without charge and, you know, he's suffering uh, from, from that effect. And so when I saw Bitcoin, uh, I inherently saw that 
Bitcoin, that's what WikiLeaks trying to do, but uh, it's at the code level. It's on the protocol level that it's a censorship resilient and, and uh, it's, it's completely decentralized. And even though it requires a human labor, you know, our network effect and everything, but it uses incentive rather than, you know, organizing based on trust. And, uh, and, and coordinating certain, you know, proof of work is used as a coordination mechanism to, um, you know, basically create new state, you know, that, that promote, uh, protect freedom. And then, so I, for me, Bitcoin was really the holy grail of the psychopaths. And I felt that Bitcoin is gonna carry on what WikiLeaks tried to do and, you know, quite haven't been able to do. Um, so that's kind of like how I got into Bitcoin and it was, um, you know, more and more, like I became more interested in Bitcoin um, and shifting, I guess, my, yeah, uh, my interest, I guess, toward that, you know, um, maybe starting from 2013. And um, yeah, so that's kind of like how I got into Bitcoin. And um, yeah, to start off. Yeah, thank you for that. The, um, you know, one of the, one of the, things you mentioned in one of your pieces was that the kind of the Bitcoin rabbit hole story has become kind of like a cultural phenomenon. Exactly. So, you know, right. tell me, tell me about your rabbit hole story because it's such a profound inflection point in so many people's lives, or at least it's becoming that when, when the penny or when the sat really drops because right. it's so transformative, because it changes how you see so many things, you know, you want to know like, well, when was the moment? And so I have two questions off the back of what you just said. One is yeah. why was it that you were, drawn to these issues of broadly speaking freedom or, or social justice or corruption uh to be interested in the WikiLeaks stuff in the first place and secondly can you identify and i know this is sometimes hard for people because like i think a lot of people crept into bitcoin it's like oh this is interesting non-state money yeah. or censorship resistant money to support these different things that you know the bad people don't want us to do uh but that's not necessarily the moment where you go oh like this is the thing. Uh, so was there, a, was there a point where you went from like, oh, this is interesting. There's, it's a means to an end for certain objectives versus like, you know, some of your recent writing, which is, I think one of your pieces is called <laughs> the networked Messiah, you know, so that, that's a, that's a definitely a progression. So was there a point where the, where it dropped for you? Yeah. I mean, I guess, um, you know, I, I all, always felt that, that there, there are certain kind of universal um, universe, universality among us, you know, despite our cultural differences, you know, gender, cultural or religious differences or language that we speak, there is something fundamental about human, humankind and that we all want freedom, you know, and, you know, when, when we look at uh, things that are happening in the world and historically that the people aspire, you know, uh, to be free, you know, and, uh, and if myself, you know, being born and grew up in Japan that, uh, you know, I really look up to the fundamental principles of the United States, uh, equality and liberty for all the people. And then that somehow deeply spoke to me, you know, and, um, and someone who, you know, I wasn't really like, you know, living in the US, I, you know, didn't study US history or anything, but somehow, you know, what Founding Fathers did, especially Thomas Jefferson, I found a very close relationship, I mean, deep relationship with, with what he has done and, 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 and recognize that kind of a freedom is an innate impulse of, and, and within all, all mankind, you know, all of us. 
And, you know, and then when I look up the uh, Tiananmen Square protests, for instance, you know, in China, the, the students are resisting against the Chinese government. And then there's this sign that says, you know, the, the kind of echoes the um, Henry Patrick's that, you know, this give me liberty or give me death, you know? So, so that, that kind of, we all want freedom. And somehow, you know, we have this culture, we have legal system, you know, we have, you know, certain kind of rules, I guess, that are set um, that restrict us. And, and so I was wanting to ha have this, you know, I was maybe looking for a way maybe th that could secure, you know, what, uh, what it, you know, what it means to be human, which is the fundamental principle, fundamental value of freedom. And, and so, you know, whether that is a set of rules or legal systems, or it could be a cultural thing, you know, cultural ideals that bind us, that I was looking for it. And then, so when I first, you know, found WikiLeaks and what WikiLeaks has done, and then WikiLeaks is a global transnational organization and it's created a platform, you know, who has to maybe engage in building that infrastructure, building that new set of rules, you know, and uh, inspiring each other based on the, or creating a new culture based on uh, freedom, you know, our, our love for freedom, you know. And uh, so when I found the Bitcoin, there were some, of course, you know, Bitcoin and WikiLeaks uh, share the, the same roots in Psychopunk's philosophy. So obviously there are similarities, right? And, and, but for me, Bitcoin, the fact that it's, it's global, it's, it's stateless currency, it's a transnational uh, currency, you know, and, and that it's somehow not just the Bitcoin being just a new money monetary system or network, but somehow I, I started to recognize, started to see the cultural phenomena. Bitcoin is a cultural phenomena, uh, inspiring people around the world, and people kind of, uh, you know, I, I met uh, on online the, the people that share the same values, you know, and, and the people who come from a different cultural background, the language they speak or religion, but somehow like we share something in common, you know. So that phenomena, you know, that actually started out probably with the development of the internet and how we started to kind of connect, you know, people around the world started to connect online. And so it's the kind of a natural progression of that free internet culture, you know, culture that is blossoming out of free internet. Um, and the Bitcoin was the automated to some degree that really gives us tool to um, make that happen, you know, to create a new global culture. And, and specifically, you know, I mean, even though, like I said, I was first introduced to uh, Bitcoin at the end of 2010, I wasn't, at the time, I wasn't really, you know, it was something like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I wasn't really like, you know, uh, just drop everything I was doing and then uh, start to dig into it. And, um, but I, and then it was only in like in 2013, I, I'm um, Andre Antonopoulos, you know, that you know, Andre Antonopoulos. So he, he he's or was originally from the Bay Area. So he lived uh, in the Bay Area at the time. And, and at the time, you know, he only had like 4,000 followers on Twitter. You know, he was unknown. Um, and, uh, and my friend of mine uh, told me that, oh, there is this event called the Open Garden and in San Francisco, so you might want to check out. And I literally thought that this Open Garden that's like really creating this collaborative garden, you know, I was thinking it's a gardening thing. So <laughs> I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I went there and it was about mesh network, you know, the, <laughs> it was not, nothing to do with gardening. It was the creating mesh network online 
And I was like, okay, that's interesting, you know, and I'm not sure, you know, if I'm interested in this. But then Andrea Antonopoulos was one of the speakers at, at the event. And then, then he started to talk about like, you know, Bitcoin, I knew about Bitcoin a little bit. So, oh, okay, that's interesting. And he gave like 15 minutes speech and talking about what it, what it does and it reduces the remittance cost, it's cut off the middleman and it's, you know, the, and then how the Visa, you know, MasterCard and all of those financial institutions, they, they are rent seekers and then they are exploiting us and all that stuff, you know, he packed them, you know, in his elegant speech in 15 minutes. And then every sentence that he spoke, I was inwardly saying, yes, you know, yes, you know, it's like, like wow, you know, it's like, and by the time like he finished the speech, I was totally like orange peeled. And literally like, you know, I mean, it's like the Christian and, you know, right? Like uh, uh, when they met Jesus, you know, they dropped everything and they followed him. So it was like that, you know, I, I just dropped everything. I was, I mean, I didn't drop everything, but almost quite, yeah. And then, I, I followed Andrew Antonopoulos, you know, um, and, and just watched the old uh, YouTube's uh, videos and digging, like I kind of became obsessed with him, you know, um, to understand Bitcoin. And then the more I understand the Bitcoin, there's this moment of, oh my God, this is it. This is gonna, you know, the, this kind of, yeah, it's it's the light bulb, right, lit. And, and that became, yeah, it, it got to the point where I was supposed to write a dissertation at the time, you know, and my professor has to basically kind of intervene, like, you know, so you have to tell me that you need to start working on dissertation, writing dissertation, you know, and you cannot be just doing something else. And so I had to kind of, yeah, uh, discipline myself. And um, so, so, so I, to that degree that I was, I got so obsessed with Bitcoin uh, since then. And then, and I thought that over time, I mean, it, it's gonna mellow down a little bit, you know, like, okay, I, I guess I understand enough or whatever, you know, but then it's deepened. And then especially after the, the pandemic started then, you know, the quarantine and the lockdown and everything, I just got into this so much cosmic space, you know, um, you know, Rob, um, you know, and you and, you know, Gigi, and then you, you guys are getting into more kind of metaphysical realm of Bitcoin. And then that gave me kind of permission to, dive deeper because I, initially I thought I'm going crazy. I, you know, I'm losing my mind. Like I'm now thinking about, I am thinking about Bitcoin in the same, you know, thought with Jesus Christ. I mean, what I'm saying, you know, like even like there's this moment, it became so clear to me, like, you know, that there's this thought comes to me and this, that tells me like Bitcoin is the, the second coming of Christ. And then I ask myself, wow, that was a crazy thought, you know, but but, you know, I can help it. And then, so looking at, you know, how the space kind of went into this cosmic dimension, I thought, okay, it's okay for me to dive deeper. And, you know, I'm not crazy one here, you know? So yeah, that's kind of like how everything evolved into this, starting out from more like social political uh, realm to, you know, now kind of getting into the metaphysical spiritual aspect of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, it's so funny how that process takes place where, you know, because culture is so, and, and you've talked about this a lot too in your writing about how influential one culture is in our conception right. of ourselves and how we orient ourselves in the world and what are the drivers uh, or determinants of culture and how important they are to get right. right or make sure they're constructed on the right foundation and then how culture changes and, and all of that nuance there. But just to say that 
it also, of course, and there's, there, this is not exclusively bad, but it, it contains us in a certain sense. You know, culture, you know, Peterson has said something akin to like culture is how we kind of outsource our sanity. It's, it's the kind of sounding board that we use to see, you know, are we moving through it correctly? And if you have a really, really far out idea or behavior, then culture says, nope, come back in. Now, right. I think we would all agree today in the global culture, it's far too narrow. You know, this kind of materialist, yes. right, big exactly. government fiat culture just has right. a, a very narrow lens. And we yeah. all want to break free from that. We want to broaden it dramatically. Right, and exactly. part of that is exploring far out ideas. And, you know, here we are encountering something extremely novel in Bitcoin. Yes. And more and more, you know, in private conversations, as you keep trying to dig deeper and you, you're seeing the correlations and the analogies and the relations right. between other wisdom or ideas or right. whatever phenomenon in the past, you, you know, there seems to be this convergence on this thing that it's, it's even more meaningful and even more meaningful and even more meaningful. And, right. you know, it's funny you, 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 you say that because, you know, to say, first of all, to say something is the second coming of, of Jesus Christ. One, you're bumping up against, the fact that most people in secular culture have completely dismissed the validity of right. religious narrative and myth entirely anyways. Right. No, so yeah. even if you like, even if you were to kind of profess a belief in that right. system of wisdom or understanding right. itself, you're kind of like, Oh, you're one of those people just right. like move crazy. along, you know? Right. right. Yeah. But then to, to not only say that there is some kind of validity, however distorted or corrupt it's become in the original story that Perhaps we are at a point where the constituent parts that right. coalesce to uh, allow that story to have such a, an impact, such a grip on people, right. maybe it's emerging in another form once again yeah. for a very similar purpose or reason. Right. And maybe we're at a place where we need that again. Exactly. And then, you know, when I say like the, the second coming of Christ, you know, I don't mean like the Christ, the, the you know, the incarnating in a physical form. But it's more like right. the, in the network, you know, like when Christ said, like when two or more uh, gathered, I would be there, kind of like the spirit of that. So then there is this network, you know, something that I wanted to touch on in the piece, the network Messiah. It's like the network of Bitcoin, you know, basically when we realize who we are, you know, and when we see divine in each of us, you know, that changes its faces, changes color of skin and language that we speak in every 10 minutes, you know, then we see something extraordinary about ourselves. And that, that, you know, and trusting that, you know, having faith in who we are collectively, you know, that we can save ourselves, you know? So that's kind of like the, to me, the second coming of Christ. I mean, so we are, you know, the Messiah in some ways, you know? So, so that's kind of like, you know, so, so when I say like Bitcoin is the second coming of Christ, I don't, I don't, you know, mean it as, you know, the Jesus coming back, you know? <laughs> sure, sure. No, I yeah. think we, we, I think we can all appreciate that. Right. Yeah, no, I I think we all understand what you mean by that. But my, yeah. my point was just to say that um, it takes a few initial people to say the crazy thing. And exactly. sure, right. I mean, I mean yeah. it, it's most likely that we're wrong because who the hell is ever right on such deep and important yeah. matters? Like right. at, at a minimum, it's 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 likely that we're not completely right. But right. if we don't allow ourselves to say the weird, bizarre, crazy exactly. thing yeah. and then have like a, an honest uh discourse or discussion about them then we're, we're for sure never going to find out a deeper right. truth or meaning you know so we kind of right. have to do that and you know there, there's not many more crazy crazier statements than you know this one uh exactly. but it is, you it know is, yes. 
And our yeah, but, but you know what, what's crazy is I, it, in yeah. all my conversations, you know, privately, and I've, I've been having many of them on the podcast and in my own thinking, a lot of people are winding up in that sort of territory and you, and language kind of fails, right? So you have to draw from the past for analogies, but it doesn't mean they're perfect, as you just said, because you're not saying like it's the it's the actual thing, but there's some there's some kind of similar relationship to what's right. going on. And then the fact that, you know, looking at Bitcoin as a cultural phenomenon itself, that, you know, the fact that why is it that Bitcoin engages us to think like this, you know, and, and be more creative and imaginative and start to ask questions that, we don't normally, you know, ask what what is it, right? So that and it and it's shared by people around the world who are in in Bitcoin space and and not necessarily not in the fiat system, right? So that itself is an interesting phenomenon, in my opinion, you know. And then it, I think all the progress or the for us to create a future, I mean, start with the idea, start with the imagination, and if we can't freely, you know, entertain the ideas and explore the ideas, then we, we cannot progress as a species, right? So I think Bitcoin is stimulating us, at least, you know, we could stay. A hundred percent, you know, and yeah. I think whatever your opinion on the veracity of this sort of framing is, I think most people appreciate that Bitcoin is sufficiently mysterious and, and most people are not sufficiently arrogant to say that they fully understand what Bitcoin is. Right that the, at least there's an allowance for these sorts of bizarre discussions. You know, people aren't going to just completely dismiss you that, you know, they're going to want to see rigorous logic and rationale and reason and historical context and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because I think ultimately what one of the things that Bitcoin has inspired and also in a sense drawn in is people that are, you know, questioning of the dominant narrative and yeah more broadly speaking, uh, are pursuing truth, you know, and, and maybe it's not even fully conscious why that is. Maybe it's been just kind right. of, it was subconscious for a while and an engagement in Bitcoin is making that more explicit. Well, why am, why do I want to discover more truth? What is the value of truth? Why do I want to bring that more into my life? Why do I want to orient myself more toward it? And these yes. are all like questions of the, the greatest profundity. And it seems more and more people are willing to engage in all sorts of discussions that attempt yes. to answer that question. Yes, and for me, I, I just find that it's the kind of like a resonance, you know, as a, as a form of validating truth, you know, and that when I hear like Andrew Antonopoulos spoke about Bitcoin, you know, he, he didn't, I mean, in, in some ways I feel like he didn't say anything that I didn't know. I mean, but I mean, I, he said something that I knew at the deeper level that I don't even understand with my mind, you know, maybe something that I remember or they, I, you know, he, he sparked the ideals in my heart, you know? And, and so that's why it was like the, like I was introduced to some kind of familiar ideas or the ideas that I cherished as a child, you know, um, that, that it's a kind of a process of remembering, you know? So I think that for me, Bitcoin awakens, you know, it's more, I feel like Bitcoin awakens something that is in us and that, we only kind of start to engage uh, with kind of an inquiry or pursuit for truth so that our intellect can grasp it. You know, that's kind of like how I see, how I, how I see um, my relationship with Bitcoin. And obviously, you know, that process never ends. You know, it's not like I would fully understand, you know, but I, it's that kind of something I feel at the, at the heart level, that's ideals that it, it, it's not just intellectual pursuit. You know, it, it's the, it engages the whole entire being. It's, it's something that yeah. excites me. 
something that gives me joy and love and you know that this sense of spark the sense of idealism you know yeah right well and, and i think you know if if we're going to try to identify any hallmarks of divine connection or experience it's probably those emotions or or sensations of joy of peace yes. of freedom of uh, of stimulation and yes. you know and i think this is part of the reason why people make those connections cuz like why is it that understanding and engaging this thing is giving me greater clarity or is instilling these sorts of sensations and like is one of the reasons that it seems to be primarily predicated on the values of truth and freedom and that those values in us are as fundamental as it gets and so when we when we see something out in the world that resonates in it with right, similar right. values and helps us instantiate them further in the world exactly. doesn't it kind of make sense that that would kind of like cause us to vibrate you know faster yes, with yes, it yes, and and, and connect and be and, and be more integrated let, let's say like, like maybe that's what it does like grounding oneself in greater truth Right. Which see, you know, I think the logic there would just be it helps you become more integrated with all the different constituent components of what you experience. Whereas maybe with a different perception, you isolate yourself off from different aspects that could be beneficially integrated, so that you could become a a fuller version or a more integrated version of yourself. Right, right, and I think that you know um, something that I addressed in my uh, the the network the Messiah piece was that this imbalance between the left brain and the right brain function, you know, hemisphere, uh, hemispheres, and, and that, you know, the, our civilization or modern society more focus on the left brain development, you know, and, and I think that our civilization very much um, is built upon the knowledge based on the head, abstract, you know, things, and that kind of cut us off from uh, other faculties such as emotion, instinct, you know, um, and I think what Bitcoin does is, is Bitcoin restores our connection to instinct, restores, you know, something maybe we know at, at the, you know, not, not at the intellectual level, but something that, that, you know, we all understand as a child or, you know, before we develop the abstract capacity, maybe, you know. Um, so that's why, and, and so that, I think that, emotions or that's, that's something that gives us joy and, and love, you know, that is eliminated from our society, you know, um, and Bitcoin brings that back or open up the pathway for us to embrace that aspect of ourselves, you know, the spirituality maybe, you know, that's maybe what, what I call the, you know, our connection to the essence or connection to, you know, the fundamental aspect of who we are, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it kind of seems like the values represented in Bitcoin are similar to those most fundamental aspects of who we are, call them values or spirituality or right. divine spark or essence or, yes. or, or whatever. Yes. Like it, it seems Definitely. that there's a type of coherence there. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why it's so inspiring uh, is because it seems to be a way for those values or, or that aspect of all of ourselves to be transmuted out right. into the interpersonal world mm -hmm. and begin fostering a system and a culture that is maximally imbued with those things. Yes. And I think, you know, that's part of why this is so hopeful because like, it's like, wow, if, if we can have, if we can engage in a system that is, you know, by default yeah. speaking to or extracting the most fundamental or the best aspects of us, what kind of a world might right. that create? And what kind of a world might that inspire yeah. us to be participants in? 
definitely. And I like the piece that you know recently about Bitcoin maximalism, and, and you know, in that you know you basically pointed out that there is the you shared the observation that there is a built-in morality in Bitcoin. You know, and I totally agree with you. I think that there is something in this protocol that, um, and which I think it's it's the freedom. You know, the, the protocol enables freedom, and the freedom as a foundation for us to develop moral choice, develop capacity mm. for love, moral choice. And without that freedom, it's not really possible. So that what Bitcoin does is that because Bitcoin enables freedom, it engages us to, um, you know, maybe. Uh, develop a sense of morality and, and, you know, go beyond what other species can do, you know, like animals, you know, they, they, they don't, uh, they, they live with this, they are governed by the instincts, you know, but humans are different, you know, in that we are, we are not just creatures, you know, we could become co-creators and uh, develop a sense of morality, you know, and, and help facilitate the evolution, you know, I think that's how I see it. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, it's the 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 freedom. You know, the people like talk about freedom for the sake of freedom. You know, I want to be free. You know, to do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, we want we want that too. But uh, freedom, you know, as a foundation for for developing morality. You know, sense of morality, and so that's I think the very important aspect um, that uh, you know Bitcoin actually engages us, and then also psychopaths because psychopaths are. You know, basically they are um, cryptographer with ethics. So, you know, and that differentiate them from other computer engineers, you know, the, the, who, who don't have that ethics. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I think it's a point that is very much absent from the conversation in the culture today, as so many things are. I mean, I think the culture, the, the broad culture of the world has many, 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 many problems. Um, yeah. But one of them surely is the fact that all of our actions have a moral dimension. They're informed yes. by the morality at some somewhere along the line. Yes. And the the less freedom we are able, the less we are able to freely choose our actions, then yes. the less we're able to exercise whatever morality we may be carrying around, and the yes. less feedback we're able to to get as a result of exercising that morality. And so, as yes. you say the less freedom means the less moral refinement because you're getting less opportunities to get feedback on how that morality is taking shape in action. And when you exist in you know, a global fiat world where government is enormous and so many things are abdicated to that institution, we'll take care of this, we'll do that, or we'll tell you to, the, to do this exactly. or do that, right, then right. You're, you're increasingly removed from the ability to engage in moral refinement because you're increasingly limited in your capacity or your, your allowability or how much you're allowed to make your own free choices. Yes, you know? yes. And so in a world where more free choice, it, where free choices are brought back to yes. the individual, yes. where the individual now has the responsibility and the capacity to make almost all of their choices via yes. their own free will, then we get into a situation where you're kind of hypercharging moral refinement. You're saying, oh, now like, now every single action you take with the morality imbued in it, you're getting feedback constantly on it. And of course, you know, for even if even for those that aren't actively engaged in that, that don't want it, they're going to get it by default. But for those that are actively engaged in it, that want to engage yeah. in that process of moral refinement, they're going to be able to do so in a, in a manner that's, you know, basically never been experienced before. Exactly. And then, you know, when I look at the fiat system and the 
underlying, you know, the basis of the fiat system was, uh, you know, it's, it's the um, denial of free will, denial of freedom, basically. And, um, and you know, I talked uh, about this a bit uh, on uh, Rob's show, you know, but it's, it's the, the B.F. Skinner, for instance, the, the behaviorist uh, such as B.F. Skinner, you know, he believes that, um, you know, we are not free. Like we, we don't, the, the free will is a basically illusion, you know, and that he uh, reduced the human motives to the very much kind of a simplistic um, animal, you know, like the, basically the, it's the pursuit of pleasure and avoidance of pain. Right, and we are much more than that. You know, the animals, they, they work with the pleasure principle. Like they, they, they pursue, they go, they seek for pleasure and then they avoid pain, obviously. But humans, you know, I mean, yes, of course we do seek for pleasure, but we ask ourselves questions, you know, is this right things to do, right? Eventually, like some of us start asking questions, is this right for, for me to do? So that, because the me pursuing for pleasure we come to conflict with another human beings, the pursuit for pleasure. And then, so if, you know, my pursuit of pleasure uh, create harm, you know, I have to find a way to restrain my action, right? So that's kind of bring us to the moral dimension for human, humankind. And, and then Skinner, you know, obviously like he, he wanted to basically by denying free will and, and reducing human motives into this kind of simplistic thing, he basically wanted to create this perfect system where the question of freedom never arises, you know? And for him, he said that under a perfect system, um, no, one have to, no one have to have goodness. No one have to develop goodness because you cannot even commit crimes. You know, he, he wanted to build a system that everything is controlled, that you cannot, you don't have a choice. You, you can only do good what the system tells you to be the behavior. Then, we don't have to think about crimes. We don't have to think about evil deed or anything because we, you know, we are perfect, right? So that's the vision of the behaviorist vision of the world. And that's in many ways, I think, incorporated in a fiat system. And now it's, it's gonna accelerate more with AI and, you know, transhumanism agenda, et cetera, et cetera. But what Bitcoin does is that Bitcoin basically saying, no, we have choices. We have freedom and freedom is a part of what defines us. And, and out of which we will create a system that, you know, the, the individual become ethical out of their own free engagement and then create value of, you know, moral value. And mm. um, so that's an interesting thing. And, and uh, you know, so, so it's, it's again, for me, I feel like it's at the essence of it, it's the question surrounding human nature, you know, and that this debate, around uh, uh, nature versus nurture, you know, and some say like the Darwinian assertion, uh, it's that uh, we humans are, uh, there's not no essence, you know, that we are basically like the outcome byproduct of random evolutionary process. And that we are constantly changing to the, the, the you know, adjusting ourselves to the environment that changes. So then there isn't something essential or, or a fixed aspect of ourselves. Whereas the, uh, you know, the Greek philosopher like Aristotle, he believes that this eternity, something eternal in us, something unchangeable. Uh, mm -hmm. And the, um, so that, you know, gives a different view, right? And then even though he believes that, Aristotle, for instance, that he believes that there is something eternal, something unchangeable that makes us be unique, unique as, as a species, 
but virtue could be built on our engagement. So it's not like, you know, we could be just uh, um, being guided by instinct and do nothing, but we have to engage with it to create a moral value. Um, so yeah, so that the debate about, you know, whether um, we have something essential in us or we don't, you know, that creates more kind of a the system that, you know, like a behaviorist uh, a view of the world, like trying to control things and try to focus on the culture aspect, right? Uh, changing the environment, controlling things and, 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 uh, and then guide the human beings to act in a certain way. Or if you believe in there's something innate in us, then, you know, there have to be a balance between uh, nature versus, you know, uh, nurture. And, mm. um, and then, you know, I look at uh, human nature like a hardware like in some ways, that there's this hardware, right? And then if we build the software on it that is not compatible with hardware, the software get corrupted. You know, it, software doesn't serve for us. And then, so that's, I think the fiat culture is basically it's, it's, uh, it's software is corrupted because it's not aligned with the underlying principle of, of natural law. And the Bitcoin is the new software, you know, the cypherpunks write the code uh, in alignment with, you know, fundamentals of human nature, something mm -hmm. that is fixed, you know, and, and yeah. make it immutable in, the, in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very interesting and apt framing. You know, it also makes me think that, you know, another way of looking at this is simply, you know, or, or dependent upon your way of looking at this, you'll either think a top-down approach at managing people and culture and civilization is is most appropriate versus if you think about it in a, in a different way, in the non-behavioralist way, you'll think a bottom-up emergent approach to things is is the best way to go about things. And, you know, I... You know, I've thought about this issue a lot too. And, you know, here we, I think this is another way to link back to what we opened with was the relation to Christ, because, right. I mean, just think about how we're, we're framing this right now. We're, we're suggesting that an ideal has emerged, which mm -hmm. as a result of our using it and in relation to it, we're able to refine and discover a greater mm -hmm quote unquote, morality or a greater way of being for our, ourselves as individuals and how profound and transformative and valuable that can be. I mean, I know there's many different interpretations of religious story, but let's just say one of them is that mm -hmm. you look at the, the mythological hero of any mm -hmm. religious or mythological narrative, and that's kind of their function too. They, they are there as an ideal so that you can refine yourself in relation to it. It, it provides you with an ability ability to orient yourself and move toward a, a more moral or integrated direction. And so, you know, both of those things seem to be doing it in the same way. And the, the refrain that I always have for the, the staunch materialists is, is, and the behavioralists and the, yeah. I, I guess the, you know, the people that you just referred to, it's like, they'll, they'll go all the way and say, yeah, sure. You know, like we act, we observe our action, we determine which ones are conducive to harmonious relationships and, and right. fulfillment and happiness and stuff. And then we reflect back on it and we, we, that's how we determine what's right or wrong. Right. And, you know, basically I'll say, yeah. And, and that's what these, these, you know, all of these systems of myth and religion have done as well. The only difference is, is as we you know, like the difference is, do you think we exist in a perfect vacuum? Like, is that where human consciousness is floating? Or are there parameters, unseen parameters that we're interacting with? You know, because I think you have to ask the question, why is it 
that acting with certain values or morals or take or certain behaviors are less conducive or more conducive to harmony and joy and happiness and peace and all the things that we mutually agree are good. Right. Why? And 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 I think the the religions right. are are just saying because somehow those behaviors and those values cohere with something about this non-vacuum that we're in. Whereas I think the the hardcore materialists fail to appreciate why it is uh, certain behaviors are conducive to results that they would deem good. You know, they just, well, who knows why? It's just, you know, th th that just is the case. And yeah. I, that seems like the major distinction. But I, for me, I, I just... Um... I, I just see that the, there is an inherent morality in nature, that there is this nature brings harmony. You know, if you look at the natural kingdom, for instance, you know, everything is kind of, there is certain kind of a harmony created, you know? And uh, even though like from our perspective, it, it's not, you know, but it, nature has like all the forces like destruction, creation, aggression, competition, and collaboration, all the kind of contradictory paradoxical forces, you know, using these kind of contradictory forces and somehow attained perfect balance, right? And that's the wisdom or that's, that's I think, the, the genius that, that nature does. And I think the humans, I think, our rational mind that we wanted to control, we wanted to build the moral system that, uh, that you know, makes us feel right, you know, and, uh, and German philosopher like Immanuel Kant, you know, the uh, Kant, Kant, Kantian ethics, that's what is what is referred to often, is that he his idea of morality was that morality cannot be built on uh, natural desires, natural impulses. You have to go against it. And then morality is something that can be only dictated by reason, you know, and I think that led to the kind of uh, protestantism, you know, that uh, tried to kind of suppress natural impulses, you know, um, and, the, and then again, the Aristotle, I mean, I, again, go back to Aristotle of what he said about morality is that for him, you know, he believes that morality is built upon what nature provides us. And there is no, there is no uh, conflict between what is pleasurable and what is right. And I think that's the thing that, you know, our mind kind of creates duality, right? What is good, what is bad, what is right and wrong. So, so, you know, that's a kind of like a part of the process that we have to engage. But, um, but when we engage in what is right, then obviously I am not doing what is wrong or whatever the, you know, the polarity is defined. You know, and, and, and nowadays in a centralized system, it's the authority on the top of the system that they are the ones who decide what is good and wrong, you know, which has nothing to do with morality, you know, which is just the arbitrary created uh, set of values, you know, that what they think is right and, and which, which might not be right for me, you know, right? I mean, it's individual basis, I think, you know, you cannot just talk down like authoritarian style, apply what is right, you know, the kind of rules for everyone, you know, that, that might not work, I think. So I think it's the, it's the question of how can each person act freely and somehow um, act ethically at the same time, somehow kind of come to mm -hmm. kind of a consensus, right? Consensus about something because I, you know, let's say I want to do something, you know, um, and, but I am choosing to enter into Bitcoin network and choosing to, you know, be, uh, to, to follow uh, network uh, rules. And that's my choice. 
you know? And by choosing these rules out of my own voluntary, you know, uh, uh, choice, I am, you know, choosing to be held accountable by my, you know, the network of peers, you know, and that mm. creates kind of, I think, and in each 10 minutes when the, settle, uh, the transaction is settled, you know, that, that, that basically shows that it's a confirmation that rules have not been broken, that we all acted mm -hmm. ethically, we acted morally. I mean, in terms of nobody, nobody broke law, I mean, rules, right? Um, and nobody didn't cheat. Uh, it's, it just confirms that, that we somehow come to agreement, synchronization, you know? And that's the, that, that's like, the, that, that's, I think for me, the embodiment of each individual um, somehow acting morally and, um, you know, you, you know what I mean? You know, it's, it's kind of like magical things that happens. And I never seen anything like that before in my life. And, <laughs> and it's done without enforcing any top-down rules. And, and nobody's told like, you shall, you know, you shall obey these command, you know, these rules. Nobody, you know, everybody's acting freely. So that's the magic. Yeah. Of, well, yeah. yeah and, and I think this, this very much lines up with what we've been discussing, which is I don't think that would work so well if the rules to which you were agreeing weren't maximally aligned to natural yes. law or inherent yes. values of Definitely. how, you know, the world or the universe or what have you. And, and because I think, you know, part of to, to do what you said, like we have to subject ourselves to some limitations in order to, right, right. you know, cooperate with others and to, to get along and to create that harmony. I mean, right. harmony is not just free for all. Harmony right. is each acting within certain limit limitations that allows for, let's say, maximum flourishing of the system. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think the reason why Bitcoin works is because people mm -hmm. are agreeing to certain limitations, but those limitations right. allow them to cohere to natural That's law or, or fundamental values. Mm -hmm. And the same is true. And again, as corrupt as it may have become, religion imposes many limitations on on people that you know right. most religions have a framework of like these are right. the bounds you should stay within and i think the reason why they were so sticky at least some of them was because those bounds actually helped people cohere to what was real you know the the natural the uh natural law or the natural unfolding right. of how things work right. Now, of course, man in the middle corrupts things, institutionalized, like right, we know right. the story. And mm -hmm. this is why Bitcoin, I think we would agree, and many people agree, is perhaps an upgrade to that because it, it makes it more tangible. It makes it less difficult to violate. Right. It makes it easier to verify that other people are playing by the same yeah. rules. But I still think the reason why both of them have achieved or had achieved some success is because you need to impose limitation on yourself. That's right, right, a guarantee. Exactly. Right. Which which limitations are you going to impose? And both of these systems said, hey, these seem to be like the limitations that allow you to co cohere most to the natural law that would facilitate right. the most exactly. har right. cooperative right. harmony. Right. And the same is true for something like, you know, uh, the Constitution in the exactly. U.S. Like that, right. that document has the same purpose. Right. Which limitations are going yeah, to allow right. us to yeah. maximize yes. our flourishing? Yes. And that limitation we are willing to accept. You see, it's the out of freedom. So that's another important point, right? So the question is that why is it that we allow, we we you know accept that imitation, right? What 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 is it that why Bitcoiners are willing to be abided, you know, by by this consensus rules and and accept that imitation? What is the trade-off, right? 
And for me, the trade-off again is that we want to be a part of network. We want to, you know, relate to another human being. We want to, you know, uh, interact with others. And 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 I think that maybe, I mean, we want to produce value, value of love, you know, and, and maybe that's the highest value that we as you know, human species can produce, you know, and that there is the call, you know, call to love or, you know, the build on freedom. And, and for that, we are willing to accept that limitation, you know, right? It's, 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 it's kind of like surrendering, you know, like it's something we, like we are surrendering. I mean, I don't want to be religious here, but we are kind of surrendering ourselves to the protocol, right? And, you know, that the Christ, you know, <laughs> uh, the Christ, the last word, you know, on the, on the cross, cross that, you know, he said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? In your, arm, in your arms, I command my spirit, right? So in that, you know, in that moment of surrendering, it was him, you know, he basically was, he claimed the source of legitimacy, source of authority, and he is, you know, nobody is making Jesus to surrender. He is the one who became the issuer of his action. He's commanding, right? Commanding his spirit uh, to, you know, surrender to, to Christ, basically, to, to God. So that's kind of like, I think that, you know, Bitcoin allow us to become individually sovereign and that we become the authority, you know, of, of that generator of action, that we, we create a command, you know, we issue the, the command for our own action, you know, and then in that action, you know, that we would basically surrender ourselves to the network, you know, protocol, protocol and, and, you know, accept that this consensus and, you know, accept the limitation, you know, I know it's kind yeah. of too religious, but yeah. I, so that, no, no, that we're, we're deep in there already. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, no, but, I, mean I, I, I think that's, that's correct. Right. And which is why, uh, you know, subordinating yourself to a set of limitations or a set of rules is, a, is no small thing. You should do it with great consideration because you, you are kind of dictating, well, what rules am I going to be bound by and what, you know, yeah. what am I going to play within and what system am I going to use to extract and express value? And to your point about like, I, we've discussed already how free will is necessary for making, for moral refinement, mm -hmm. making moral choices that are of right. your own volition. But I also think that, that the other side of that coin is limitation because Yes. If you weren't limited, if you weren't giving up anything when you're taking any action, then right. there's no cost to your action. And there's right. no way of determining whether, you yes. know, whether it was good or bad or what. So yes. limitation exactly. places a cost on your action such that you it's it's yes. incentivizes or a necessity to determine whether or not that action was good or bad, right or wrong, moral yes. or not. And I think you, you, as we discussed, you partly answer that by how much it coheres to natural law or the way things work. Right. And that, that allows you to then move through those limitations more efficiently. But right. yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and it's, toward, it's a, expre toward expressing the highest values. Right. But without I, that necessity to give something up, you don't, right. exactly. you don't have that. That's, that's, that's the thing that it's, it's you know, I, I see like uh, the spiritual people or awaken the people, so to speak, you know, like uh, they tend to kind of more focus on transcending experience. Like we are transcending the body or transcending personality and then ego identification and all of that. And then we are all the one, you know, like we, you know, some people are into that, right? Meditating and sitting and then just, you know, 
I am everybody or something like that. Yeah, you know? we, we all know some of those we people. Are all the you know? But I think that it's, it's again, it's the, the limitation that you talk about. I think that personality is important. Individuality is important. And me, you know, of course, you know, I'm a human being who are most, but I am Japanese. I am a woman, that there is certain concreteness, specificity, you know, that there is something that makes me different, right? And then one could say, like, me being Japanese, you know, this biological foundation, the biological experience is limited, right? Like, I, I cannot be, like, you know, transgender, or I cannot be, like, transmasive or whatever, you know, or I cannot just exist as a human being. But, but you know, but that concreteness, you know, me being Japanese, me being a woman, bring, kind of enriches me, you know, ground me in this physical domain in a way that, allow me to have kind of experience that I would not have had otherwise, right? If I were transcending or, you know, not kind of grounded in, in my body. So I think Bitcoin, what Bitcoin does is it's kind of anchors, I think, you know, the, or, or make a bridge between the spiritual realm and the physical realm and the creating the limitation that it allow us to, um, you know, like there's this expression, like, you know, the, we are, uh, we are in the world, but not of it, right? That, um, and, but it allow me to kind of be, to play a certain role, you know, uh, in a much more conscious way and uh, meaningful way, you know, accepting the limitation. Um, and in order to, you know, um, fully experience my life. And it's, 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 you know, if you know what I mean, it's, it's like the, you know, that love, you know, like if, if you love someone or if you love humanity, right? It's one thing to love humanity and loving everybody. Like, oh, I love everybody and, and I, I'm not in a relationship with anyone because I love humanity or something like that. But there is some, you know, profound experience, uh, richness come from, you know, being committed to one person, for instance, and get to know the person at the deep level, you know? So, it, and, and one could say that's a limiting, you know, uh, uh, that, but, but it's not, you see? So it's kind of like a Bitcoin, yeah, Bitcoin really, I think that you, you made a good point that this limitation is an important part, you know, and that ground us in the, in the physical domain because we are physical beings, we, we don't transcend, you know, we don't go mm -hmm. any, like, you know, up in the space or whatever, you know, um, we, we have to be on the earth, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. And I, I think, uh, you know, maybe broadly speaking, you could just say if you didn't, if you weren't forced into the limitations that are inherent in individuality, would the, would the power, mm -hmm. I mean, how much would you value the power of being able to seek unity or love or whatever you want to call it? Like, would you, would you be able to experience it? I mean, likely not because there's no counter reference point, you know, so maybe, you know, and I'm, yes. this is and the same, it's this has been about, said by you know, many people, but maybe that's the gift. If, you know, if you are not grounded in the physical realm, you don't have consequence. Like, you know, it's, it's, you don't get pain, right. you don't get hurt. I mean, it's just like you are dissociated kind of, you know, but um, the values of wisdom is created through us actually having to experience the physical world, you know, the, the having mm -hmm. to have a cool human experience. And that requires us to, you know, place ourselves in, in the intimate relationship with the world. And I think, you know, Bitcoin for instance, if you, you know, don't, um, you know, secure your, your Bitcoin in a, in a, you know, proper manner, then, uh, you, you know, you lose fund and you get hard or, you know, there's, there are consequences that are visible in this physical realm, 
you see, mm. and nobody can deny that. So that comes from limit, right? Yeah. And I you think know? this is also how your morality, whether it's conscious or subconscious, informs and expresses uh, expresses your decisions around value too, because basically what you're saying when you act and when you value things is, mm -hmm. here's what I'm willing to give up. Here's what I'm willing right. to sacrifice of myself right. in order to get something in return that by definition, I'm valuing more than what I'm giving up because that's why the action is taking place. And this allows us to see like, well, what is being sacrificed to? And as a result, like what what is the thing that's most sacrificed to, or to use a little bit less dramatic language, what is the thing that's, that m the most people are deciding is most worthy of giving their limited resources in order to uh, obtain or experience or welcome mm -hmm. into their life? And again, I think if you play those cards out far enough, you wind up again in, in religious and deeply philosophical domains because it's like, well... What is the most valuable thing? Well, it's the thing that most people give the most of themselves up for. Right. Is it love? Maybe in certain people, in certain circumstances. Is it material wealth? In our world today, maybe the answer is yes for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Which one is better? Well, certain traditions would say the former. Modern right. society might say the latter. You know, and so, th th and this is what I'm what I'm really enthusiastic about Bitcoin about is because. Now those actions, those expressions of value, those, those sacrifices or those giving of ourselves to get something of greater value in return, all of that will be able to be done with no noise in the signal. So all, like, right. we'll be able to pristinely express that, those value judgments and we'll, and we'll be able to both construct and see in, in terms of reflecting back on us, what is ascending as the things of highest value. And I right. think, you know, if I can be so bold as to say, what I'm initially witnessing in the extremely nascent still Bitcoin culture is that the things that are being valued the most are not material wealth, are not right. power, yes. are not things yes. like that. It's things right. like family and honesty yes. Yes. and freedom and these, these right. moral fundamentals that we've been talking about. And so what yeah. happens if that trend continues and we end up in a world where those values are the most ascendant. Yes, those yes. become the things of highest right. value. I mean, right. and I'm pretty, it's pretty excited uh, about the prospect of that. Yes, you know? definitely. And then it's the free market deciding, you know what I mean? It's not the top-down authority telling, you know, the create a hierarchical values, but it's the we, you know, the network sort of consensus deciding what are, what are valuable, you know? And so that's kind of exciting part. But another part is that I think, you know, everybody is, you know, is in a, at a different stage of moral development, right? So, you know, mm. we tend to kind of think that everybody is the same, you know, the, um, but developmentally, I think each person is in a different stage. And then it could be like somebody who is young, like, you know, could be like, you know, 10 years old, who already kind of have capacity for compassion and love that maybe 70 year old don't have, you know? So it's, it's not just based on the physical age, but the, you know, I believe that each has soul and, you know, uh, and that brings certain kind of uh, development gift and talent and things. So what Bitcoin allows is that it allow everyone to, uh, you know, freely explore, um, you know, really, I think it, it engaging the path of developing conscience or moral choice, you know, and it, what that looked like is different for each person. So somebody, I think that, you know, for some people, accumulating wealth, you know, it's something that 
gives them pleasure. And, and that's okay, you know, that's where they are, you know, and that's, and then by doing that, you know, maybe investing into Bitcoin, they're actually uh, delivering uh, uh, um, value for other people. And that's their way of acting morally, you know, acting ethically, you know, and, and whereas the, maybe other people are more kind of coming from the spiritual background and then they, they like to, they have kind of certain intentions, like wanted to use Bitcoin for charity or, you know, um, they are not into kind of making money, you know, and and so so they are like in the, at the different stage of morality, you know, moral development. And and mm -hmm. what's amazing about Bitcoin is that it basically allows the everyone to act freely and then you know pursue or not pursue right uh, the the path for moral development. And it's okay that if you don't want to develop mm -hmm. morality, it's you know you don't have to. But you know those who want to, you know, they could uh, do it too. So I think. The you know we often talk about Bitcoin how Bitcoin separate uh, state um, you know money between money and the state right create a wall between money and state but I think that what Bitcoin does is that it's really kind of it enables religious freedom the first time that that you know in in human history in some degree you know and including uh, the you know our choice not to worship God or you know that that, that is part of the religious freedom. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's a kind of exciting thing. And then, you know, and we would see what would emerge out of it, out of this mm -hmm. free market, you know, um, process of um, determining values or whatever, you know? And then, then we could maybe later on, like we would realize, like you said, the family, you know, or relationship or, you know, love. I mean, these are the things that maybe human beings uh, appreciate or not. Right, we will find yeah. out. It's a sure. human experiment, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, you know, I was definitely not suggesting that uh, you know pursuing wealth is in any way right. bad. Right. You know, uh, it's just as you say. I mean, what's exciting is just that right now we have this behemoth or this leviathan that's set that is co-opting the signal of these value expressions right, exactly. and it's able right. to inject its values and its ideologies and its interests yes. into that system and distort it and yeah. you know all sorts of things when we have a system where that's not possible i just can't wait to see what does become the thing of greatest value you know like right. maybe my orientation right now thinks you know because it, me personally is like well you know what do i value more like uh, right. a nice car in the driveway or do i value like a trusting friendship or a good relationship right. or a you know beautiful time in nature or whatever it yes, is you know yes. like of course we're all going to make different decisions there but as you say in a system like that over time the free market will say which ones are most collectively right. valued right. over other ones and you know maybe it will be you know starships in the, you know yeah. in space but maybe well, it'll be right. may, maybe we'll we'll come to appreciate and value these things that we've been discussing so much more that right. will dial down our material pursuits collectively yes, yes. and how much we value them. And maybe we'll dial up our conscious or personal or spiritual, for lack of a better term, pursuits. And right. for the very reason, because we will value them more, not because we think it's good or anything like that, but right, because right. I, yeah, exactly. I, I feel us, I more think. wealthy when I have those things versus, yes. Yes. you know, the material right. things. And that kind of, I think, proves that, you know, I mean, it, it's what is natural or what is innate in us, I think that maybe, or what, what, uh, what, what it means to be human being, what defines 
you know, our species perhaps, and maybe the creator or a God, you know, observing us and, and looking at the blockchain, you know, Bitcoin blockchain and think that, okay, what would human, human, humanity choose, you know? We want to see what values that they are going to choose, you know? And uh, mm -hmm. maybe we are just a part of this big experiment, right? Um, but I think that now the, in the, the fiat system, basically, because it's, it's I mean, it's controlled and uh, it suppresses our, you know, natural desire and, and what is innately in us. That's why, you know, we have complete kind of a, the, um, you know, inverted kind of a value system that, you know, we engage in destruction and aggression and war and things like that, which I think majority of us don't want that, you know. Um, the system that this political system does not represent the will of the, the populace, right? So that's why, you know, what we are seeing is, I don't think what we are seeing really defines what it, who we are, you know? And then up, up till now, up till the invention of Bitcoin, we didn't have a say, like we couldn't do anything. Like, you know, we would be like, oh God, I didn't agree to be a part of this world. I don't like our species. I don't like humanity, you know, who is engaged in aggression and killing other people, but I, I'm powerless, I, I, you know, I don't think I can mm. do anything. And now Bitcoin provides a tool for us to really define, you know, what it means to be human and, uh, you know, show the world that, yeah, we care, you know, we want this, these kind of values. You know, and this this is who we are, the species. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I completely agree, and I think the point basic basically is is that now everyone will be able to express value yes. and the the morality that's nestled yes. within that uh, with equal fidelity, not yes. with equal scale because people right. will be richer and poorer and all that kind of stuff, but mm. the, the their signal will receive the same treatment. You know, it'll be as yes. pristine yes. from one person to the next, and you know, again, we, we've touched on culture a little bit already, but, you know, one of the things about culture is that it, it arises because it's useful. Now it can be, it can be co-opted and it can be very corruptive of the individual because right. it will be right. creating an environment that's sending them, let's say untrue. And as a result, yes. unhealthy yes. signals, and, they, and then they'll be using those signals to construct who they are and yes. to orient themselves. And, right. and then they would right. do so poorly if those, yes. those signals were, were untrue. But in this system, ideally speaking, and I, I recognize we're speaking ideally here, um, that signal will be true. And as a result, the culture that emerge, emerges around it, I, I think, will be far more reliable in, in being that environment or sounding board, which we're yes. able to constantly feedback with to try to orient ourselves. And, you know, again, like my, my perspective on all this in terms of what I quote unquote value will most likely change over the next 10, 20, 30 years. I mean, we all have to appreciate as kind of divergent as many of us Bitcoiners are and were even before Bitcoin, we came up in a culture and an environment and a system of exclusively predicated on those signals, you know? Yeah. And so it's not to say that we didn't have, you know, beautiful, joyous, loving experiences, but that process of, you know, that eternal process of feedback between us and environment Mm -hmm. We were we were we were using signals that were either untrue or distorted or suboptimal in some way, right. and so, our, even and this is part of the kind of cleansing of perception that a lot yes, of yes. people are, right. refer to right. when they say they've been orange pilled. But exactly. I don't think that process is finished. So you know right. we right. we will likely have different views right. in the years to come, and 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just excited that the environment that I'll be engaging with and probing for, yes. for better feedback in order to orient myself is going to give me higher quality, higher fidelity yes. information. Yes. And who knows what I'll, I'll value right. then because I'm going to be relying on the culture quite a bit to determine that. But I'm because right. of its coherence with truth, like we already yes. discussed, because the rules that we've agreed to limit ourselves by presumably yes. are maximally coherent with natural law or something yes. grander than what we can conceive, presumably it's going to give you very good and very yes. true feedback. Exactly. And we'll discover yes. something that we've never discovered before. Yes. And I think that, you know, that, that this distorted signal that you pointed about, that we, you know, when we are deeply steeped in the fiat system, we didn't even know that, the, you know, we didn't even know that, the, that we are getting signals and we were not able to even examine what they are or like even judge, okay, whether that is, you know, good signal or, you know, whether that is aligned with, you know, what we feel in, in, inside of us, you know, we just were affected by that. We didn't have, you know, any kind of a way, to, we didn't have space to engage with that, right? And now Bitcoin brings a new signal and then we started to hear something different, like tuning just different song, you know, so to speak. And, ah, you know, and then be able to compare. That's, the, yeah, these are two different song or vibration, you know, and then maybe I could choose to go into this, this network instead of that. So that mm-hmm. I think that, and then so, you know, when once we are orange peeled, we go into this uh, deep, you know, rabbit hole and one of the uh, characteristic of rabbit hole, obviously, um, engages us with the process of purification, you know, and that's like a religious spiritual thing, right? Like we are pure, being purified. And I mean, that's why I think it's a kind of a spiritual process because like we are detoxing basically, right? All, of mm-hmm. all of those beliefs and values that, that we unconsciously adapted, incorporated into ourselves and then be able to actually literally see, wow, you know, I was having this belief. Wow, this is so bad. You know, I was eating like this, we're doing that. and you know, and then this low time preference, you know, that Bitcoin allows us to have, to, you know, lower time preference and then be able to kind of think in the long term and appreciate, the, uh, you know, the, the things that, you know, the, the relationship or spending time in nature or the things that we, you know, didn't appreciate before, maybe, you know, in the fiat system. So, yeah, so I think that this this is what is happening is, yeah, we are kind of a collectively, I think, humankind collectivity wants to do some kind of a rite of passage, you know, to emerge as a new species or whatever, you know, and, and that we are certainly, I think that this materialistic culture of the fiat system, obviously it's crumbling, you know, it's, 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 it's not doing well, you know, and then mm-hmm. there is at the same time, there's a new, new culture bubbling up from Bitcoin, you know, and, and we oh, are here yeah. to, I mean, I feel very fortunate that I'm able to witness this, this moment, you know, in history and, yeah, so I'm just so grateful every day, you know. Oh, me too. Me too. It's amazing. Um, yes. And, you know, I, I think, as you say, I mean, we, many of us look back on our, our quote unquote fiat selves and we're like, right. you know, like we're, 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 maybe we're critical. And, and again, even many of us were, you know, very critical of the fiat system itself, but there's still, at least until you kind of have a bit of a wake up moment that like, uh, it, it just, you, you take it as the truth. You take the way things are as, as true. And, and when, when you are introduced to an alternative way of things being, because right. like when, when you think something is true, you almost can't help but use it as that feedback um, mechanism to help orient yourself. Cause you're right. like, well, this is, this, this is the environment. This is a circumstance. Yes. This is the game right. I'm playing. And then you realize that 
there's an you know there's an alternative and for me even before um bitcoin you know i i kind of went i was very critical of a lot of stuff and i tried to and i realized the the pervasiveness and insidiousness of conditioning and i was like okay well like how do i decondition myself from all of this stuff that i'm i'm critical of right. and you know that that's an interesting process in itself because like well who are you absent all conditioning and right. i think you know maybe that that question is answered in the mystical mystical experience for example it's like oh fundamentally absent all of my differentiating notions mm-hmm. i'm the same as everybody else you know but that's not how you interact in day-to-day life which is why people don't walk around having mystical experiences but i think it can be right. useful to realize that you're not actually your conditioning and you're not actually your identity, but then you come back into, you know, your ego self and that's what you use to interact in the world. And so then the question becomes, well, what, what tethers to identity do I want? What that serve me? Like what conditioning or what, you know, what, what conditioning do I want to keep? What conditioning do I want to lose or, or drop? And, um, but it's, it's a tricky question because once you do away with all these preconceived notions and assumptions and all that kind of stuff that you've been fed throughout your life and you sift through it all and you're like, okay, that one seems legit. Oh, that's totally not legit. You, you, like, who are you absent the conditioning? And right. um, I think this is the process of building back up your conception of yourself yes. based on well, one more intentionally and hopefully yes. with more truthful information, with more truthful yes. signals from your environment. Right. And then, you know, I, I think about, I mean, I've, I, I've been thinking about the same thing for a long time. And I just think that it's, it's a, you know, if I use the analogy of uh, play, you know, so we are in, in play, you know, acting, performing and directed by someone, right? And in the fiat system, central banks and, you know, the political leaders or, you know, whoever write a script, you know, and they use the economic forces, economic incentives to delect us, right? So then I would be kind of placed in a certain character based on, you know, like with the identity politics, you know, I'm Japanese or that, you know, so then I have to, I'm cast, you know, a certain role maybe, and I am constantly identifying myself with the role and acting, right? And, uh, and somehow, you know, everybody kind of, you know, the actors and actresses, they, uh, unlike the real play, you know, in the real play, we know that we're acting, we're on the stage acting, right? So then when the director mm-hmm. said, all right, cut, you know, stop, then we just get out of the role and then, you know, go on with our life. But the difference is that we don't even know that we're acting. So, so that's, I think, that the situation, uh, what's happening in the fiat system. And then once, you know, the, somehow like the, the new signal comes out with Bitcoin, and then we started to kind of, you know, wake up one by one. You know, I think that people started to wake up from the play. And then, wait a second, you know, like I am, I've been playing this role, you know, and who am I? You know, sort of ask a question, who am I? I'm not this role, you know, and I don't want to, you know, play this anymore. And um, who is directing this story anyway? You know, I don't agree with where things are going, right? And then you start to see who is basically outside of the play not orchestrating the whole thing and then then you realize that you have this freedom to walk away from it walk out of the prey and then some i think as a part of the the bitcoin rabbit hole process you know you you kind of check out from the prey and then you kind of disappeared from the stage and people wondering where you went you know 
Um, and then you are everybody planning what's happening and then what you are doing. And then thank God, you know, you are able to be kind of in the isolated space and do this, right? But I think there comes time that we realize that, you know, the, the, there was this role that I was playing or ego identification personality that I was in, that there is a value in that. You know, I left there. I left the people that I was playing, you know, the other actors and, you know, whoever that just to, happened to come part, come to be a part of my life, you know, with destiny or whatever that I, you know, that, that I, I, I have connection with them and I honor my connection with them. And I want to um, go back to the play. You know, it's like the, the you know, Neo going back to deciding mm -hmm. to go back to the, the matrix to save uh, Morpheus, you know, in the, in the sense that I want to go back to the play. I want to go back and enter into Nozomi Hayase, you know, this, this Japanese woman. And then, then I want to, you know, become an active agent, you know, not being asleep and being directed, but I want to direct myself and, and somehow find a way to, you know, help, you know, the, the story to unfold in a way that is maybe I think to be good, you know, mm -hmm. uh, whatever that, that looks like. So then there is, I think the, I mean, I'm just speaking from my personal experience and it, it's, you know, it's not, you know, maybe some people don't feel this way, but I personally feel like they're, they're you know, I want to go back to the, the re-enter into the stage and then reclaim my role. And at this time I'm going to delect myself, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then when I'm doing it, I, I see other people, other Bitcoiners doing that same thing. Then it's like, okay, and I could recognize them that they are awake in, in a play. And then maybe I can collaborate with them and then start to have a new game, start to have a new story, you know? Um, and, and then maybe, you know, eventually people are gonna wake up. The hyper-beaconization make it that, you know, all of a sudden like people wake up and, oh my gosh, we are playing this role, you know, or whatever, you yeah. know? So I think that's, that's kind of a, you know, that, whatever I left behind, the personality, the story, because when I exit from the play, um, my experience, my skills, you know, the, the identity, everything just remain. It's almost like that, you know, I was able to see myself outside of myself, you know, and then um, that there's a value in that, that the value in the creation of the personality, you know, who is functional, who has been acting, um, and, you know, thought that life is all kind of take life too seriously and didn't know that you are just acting, you know, or being a part of the play. And then to decide to go back to it, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, and then use the, the, whatever I obtained through the process, you know, skills, you know, experience, use it in service of humanity, basically. Um, and um, so, yeah, so that, that's, I personally think that I am like choosing to do, you know, so, um, you know, I'm aware of certain, um, you know, strengths, uh, strengths I have and uh, skills and, um, you know, what I learned and I, I wanted to use them um, um, for better, I think, you know, to, to help um, other people, I guess, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I totally understand. I mean, again, this is very consistent with like archetypal story, right? The, right. the hero returns, the prodigal right. son returns, you go back down into the cave. I mean, and, and I think this is also why virtue, uh, courage is so often a virtue, because as you, as you said a few minutes ago, 
when you first strip yourself down, when you realize yeah. that you're being directed and you have all this conditioning and, right. and you, you have a sense that relieving yourself of it is, right. would be ultimately positive. But the interim period there is you're naked for a bit. You're like all those things yeah. that you yeah. formerly yeah. used to derive yeah. comfort and security have been taken away. And yeah. that's why courage is so important because you have to be, have the courage to stay the course right. and pursue what you believe to be most true and say, all that stuff that I'm using to be comfortable and secure, I'm going to have to let it go because yes. I think there's something better on right. the other side. Yes. And then you go through that hero's journey. You come out the other end. And I think the, like the final action of the hero is mm -hmm. to return, right? He's to return yes. and try to, and you know, it's tricky there, right? Because it's so much in, in society today, people presume to know what is right or wrong or good or bad or right. whatever. And then right. they impose it on people. It's like, yes. oh, I know what's right about this issue. Yeah. So you should do it this way. You should do it that way. So the real finesse and the real wisdom of the hero right. or a, a well-integrated individual or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. is figuring out how to, I think, be exemplars of their philosophy yes. and communicate right. it through, you know, action rather, rather than dictation, right? Cause that's yes. fiat, yes. right? Fiat yes. is do yes. what I say. Right. This right. is the truth exactly. versus re reintegrating in a more, well, in a, in a transformed yes. way so in a more embodied way. Yeah. yeah. Many people who had the spiritual experience or who uh, walk up to the fact that, you know, I mean, within the play, you know, woke up and that, that they're acting, that many, you know, some people actually, when they go back to the play, they start religion, you know, they, they, they start mm -hmm. to kind of teach other people, right? And, and so that's, again, it's kind of like, a, they, they develop kind of a spiritual ego, and then that they think that they are awake, but they fail back to actually... <laughs> back to the the play you know in some ways you know so i, I like comfort. what you're saying that it's just that you know it's it's it, you have to i think that when when we come back to the play you know that we have to be the one i i personally think that kind of sending signals you know not not so much like telling or dictating other people what to do but it's just living becoming a living model you know so that other mm -hmm. people can recognize and that's i think what bitcoiners are doing you know bitcoiners are the the <laughs> You know, the, although they can the, at times be pretty vocal, right? but I yeah, agree. Because, I mean, <laughs> I mean, their presence, you know, like that there's something about them, right? They are, they are uh, exciting. They, they, they are, have so much joy and, you know, they're authentic, right? So then, you know, I mean, I, I think the Bitcoiners are the best advertisement for Bitcoin because all you have to do is just see Bitcoiners, right? Then, wow, there's something different about, you know, about them. And I want to know what, what, what makes them be so uh, vibrant, you know? So, yeah. So I think it's a little bit, you know, they are sending out signal, you know? So it's not about like becoming a missionary and then talk about, you know, what Bitcoin would do and things like that, but it's just the embody, right? It, it's just, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And I, I think as we progress here, less and less people will like understand the monetary and economic case and they'll right. just look at this emerging counterculture and contrast it with the right, dominant exactly. culture and be like that looks like a way better time you know those people are invigorated <laughs> yes. and right. they're 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 engaging in meaningful action yes. and they're having in, exactly. you know fun and they're and trusting relationships and all that kind of stuff and they're like right. i'd rather be there than this dumpster fire happening exactly. over here so right. what, whatever exactly. it takes you know i gotta hold my own keys or plug in a node like whatever i'll do it 
exactly. know, just so I can uh, be a part I mean, of it. The pet system is now, you know, completely turning into this clown world, you know, with this pandemic and that, you know, the, the mass psychosis, right? That people, you know, just totally cut off from reality or whatever, you know, but it's, it's and then like, you know, part of me, I, I kind of wanted to kind of give them information like, hey, you know, you might want to check this out, you know, that maybe this is not right or whatever. But then I realized, no, you know, that they would realize that if they look around and then they would see, um, they would find the signal, they, they would come our way, you know? So it's not about kind mm -hmm. of persuading or, you know, try to change somebody's no, mind. No, totally. I mean, I mean, I, I rewatched um, Rob and Jordan Peterson from the Miami uh, discussion a couple of days ago. And Jordan has talked about this quite a bit in terms of like the, the ways in which human beings use mimicry, right? And usually, yeah. you know, like you use mimicry uh, in relation to people that you admire or that have attained or achieved right, or right. obtained things that you yes. value, you know, because you're like, oh, well, they have right. something I want. I need yes. to act like them to get it, or at least it's a, right, it's a right. good theory or a hypothesis. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's kind of the way to go here. It's like, yes. no, pe people aren't, most people aren't very persuasive and most people aren't that uh, receptive to intentional persuasion. Right. But if, people look out on the world and like that guy or girl has something that I really value or admire or want, yes. what are they doing to get it? Then it, it kind of happens by itself, you know? So, right. you know, yeah. I, I think that's what many of us are coming to appreciate, not least because, you know, it's just, it's exhausting trying to convince exactly. everyone that, that your know, way of thinking you know, is yeah. right. And the, you know, you know, the story of the nose wind and um, sun, you know, the, when they were competing to um, have the, you know, travelers to remove their, um, uh, remove his, his uh, clothes, you know. Who? The North Wind and the uh, Sun. There, it's a story, it's a children's story that the North Wind and the Sun, you know, they were looking down this uh, traveler, you know, who had a heavy jacket, mm. you know. And then mm. they both said, okay, so let's just play this game. You know, whoever first, you know, successfully have him remove his jacket, it's going to win, right? And then the wind, obviously, you know, just blew the cold air and, you know, and then, then Traveler just uh, held the jacket so tight, you know, and then he was resisting, right? And all this, that's uh, what Sun did, what Sun was just, uh, you know, shining and bringing worms and, and then the traveler out of himself, you know, he just removed the jacket, you know, <laughs> so some won't, you know. So it's a little bit right. like that, you know, you use force or coercion to, you know, make someone do something or you just, you know, simply open somebody's heart, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and invite, inviting, you know, other person to, you know, open their eyes, I, I think, you know, that's, that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's the difference between the two, right? I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, the fiat system works with uh, coercion and, and force, you know, it's it's based on the command command system, whereas Bitcoin is, um, you know, Bitcoin is kind of like a more like a prayer, you know, the prayer, the prayer is, is you know, the difference between, you know, the prayer is inviting, right? It, it's that's the, I mean, when I think about the meaning of, of uh, prayer, you know, it's, it does not make other people do something, right? If you pray for someone, if you, it's mm -hmm. not coercion, it's not forcing, right? You, you wish someone to do something, right? So um, it, it's, it's a, so in a sense, I think Bitcoin is just Satoshi send us prayer for us to inviting us to, you know, change ourselves, you know, it's not the commandment, 
you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this is, you know, kind of a personal question, so you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but I, like has Bitcoin and engaging it and understanding it kind of changed your perspective or, or behavior? I mean, we've been discussing this, but I'm just kind of curious if there's like specifics of how it's my behavior. reoriented you. Yeah. Um, yes, definitely. I mean, you know, obviously it has changed. I mean, I think, um, I think Bitcoin, Bitcoin made me be authentic basically. And I, you know, I was very much conditioned, you know, and I mean, everything, I mean, even, yeah, I, I was conditioned, obviously, culturally conditioned. And, um, and also it actually even changed the way I relate to English language. Um, you know, I, I worked so hard, um, you know, I worked so hard to basically do what I do. And uh, I, you know, when I first started writing, um, you know, I did it because I care about the issues and I was, I was um, initially kind of, you know, um, I mean, I engaged in a journalistic activities, uh, try to um, educate public about what WikiLeaks is and what it does and then uh, counteract the misinformation of the mainstream media that, that try to depict WikiLeaks as a demonized, you know, evil organization, you know, and then so I, so that kind of made me kind of, you know, start writing, right? And then I initially didn't think that I would become a writer. Like I, I you know, obviously I, English is my second language. And then, you know, I like, to, oh gosh, and I would never become a writer, you know, as a second, you know, using English as a second language. And then, and I think that I wasn't, you know, obviously, as you can see, like English is my only language. I never felt, um, I never, you know, felt, um, what's the word, uh, home, you know, it's, it's my second time, you know, it's second. So I was kind of uncomfortable. There was this awkwardness, discomfort, or feel like I'm not truly who I am or whatever, you know? And then mm -hmm. somehow I think engaging with Bitcoin, um, allowed me to develop my unique relationship to English language. And that I'm now able to say, you know, yeah, you know, I, I write and, you know, of course that there are lots of grammatical errors that I need English, you know, native English speakers to proofread, you know, and then, but that's okay. You know, that's who I am. And that's just, you know, um, I do have unique relationship to this language that no other person have and, and it's okay, you know? So I think that acceptance, I think the Bitcoin helped me to accept myself uh, as who I am. And that's, you know, I mean, it's, it's just the Bitcoiners, the people in, in this network, you know, that how they receive my work, you know, how they relate to me and that they, you know, like, like Max Kaiser and Stacey Harvard, for instance, you know, they, um, you know, they, they, you know, I think believed in me, like they felt there's something in me that is unique and that you know, they don't care whether I speak English as a second language or not, you know, they invite me to, you know, be on their show, for instance, and, and have interviews with me or, you know, they promote my work. And, and in that I felt like, wow, you know, I was, I was like before, like was not comfortable or I was not, um, maybe not secure, you know, about the way I speak mm -hmm. maybe, or the way I yeah. write. And I always felt like I'm not good enough. I, I don't, I can't, you know, speak like native English speakers, so I, I cannot write like them. 
and um, you know I have to work so hard, you know, um, and but in a sense that Bitcoiners or you know the Max and Stacy that made me realize, wow, you know, they do not care, you know, they don't care, you know, how I speak my how I speak English. What they care is who I am, you know. They want to know what I think. They want to know, you know, yeah, they want to know ideas that I have, and so then. So that was a realization. It's like, and then, you know, wow, you know, they don't really care. You know, why was I so concerned about this? You know, maybe I should just speak freely. And then, of course, that, you know, this came from this conditioning come from also me being in academia and, you know, needing to write papers that are with, without any grammatical errors and, you know, perfect. And I was conditioned, you know, to, to be very judgmental about my work. And, um, and in some ways that, you know, I kind of felt like, it's kind of like, why am I doing this in English language? You know, like it's it's like, did I make a wrong choice or whatever? You know, it'd be so much easier if I could do this in Japanese or something. You know, um, so yeah, so that I kind kind of like they condition that kind of uh, academic training and uh, judgment. You know, the society put on me, I guess, and to be able to crane my own voice. You know, and okay, you know, yeah, you know, they they really don't care. You know, they they care about the content of my character, you know, not the color of skin yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So that was, yeah, I think, the no. profound impact I think the Bitcoin has had. And it's not so much necessarily Bitcoin, but the Bitcoiners, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I think, well, I definitely agree that it seems to me in this space, or at least insofar as it exists on Twitter, uh, character and ideas are far more important than yes. whatever else. Right. Um, and, you know, what you say, I mean, it's underappreciated perhaps how powerful self-acceptance can be, you know, yes. and it's not, it's not blind and absolute self-acceptance because you always want to be pursuing refinement of some kind, as we've been discussing moral refinement, possibly the most right. important of them, but so. to accept an aspect of yourself in that process, you know, and, and not always be so second guessing and wishing it were otherwise and looking back right. on mistakes exactly. and being like, you know, um, and, and, and yeah, and I think that's very powerful. And and also what you said, which I think a lot of people in this space probably resonate with too, is just, and it's related to self-acceptance, which is a feeling of authenticity. Yes. You know, like, oh, like for whatever, and you know, this, I'll throw this back at you as a question in terms of why is it that this thing allows you to feel like you have license or can be yourself? Like, what what is it about this thing that that grants you that license? Um, to 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 be who I am, you mean to be authentic, you mean? Yeah, because it's a very liberating thing to just be like, hey, you know, this is this is me, and you know, of course, I'm going to change over the course of years, but you know, take it or leave it, basically. Uh, I think it's and a, the it's fact a, that, that you know, I mean, this has me, inspired that. I mean, I think that one way or the other, I think we. I think we need to experience love, you know, to be perceived by someone as truly who we are. And that love, you know, the gift of love, you know, the perception that frees us, I think. And that, um, I mean, that, it, or it's, it's, it can be just a moment that, that happens spontaneously for some people, but that I, I think some kind of, you know, whether that could be another human being or it could be, you know, some people maybe do psychedelics, you know, um, like ayahuasca, you know, 
But I think that I fundamentally believe that there, there have to be the presence of love. In the presence of love, then we are able to allow, you know, accept ourselves as who we are, you know, with our own flaws and um, imperfection. And, uh, and, we, and in that presence of love, we can choose, we have a choice to change ourselves, you know, and, and it's, it would not come from like somebody trying to change someone, you know, like saying you should do this or you should do that, or, you know, even someone who loves you so deeply, you know, but if that person does not have that love, you know, through acceptance, then we won't actually change, you know, and I think that somehow I was given that love, you know, to be able to accept myself and say, yeah, you know, it's, it's okay. And, 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 and to realize that there wasn't anything wrong with me to begin with. Mm. It's just all, mm -hmm. you know, made up in our mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder too, you know, again, reflecting back on some of the things we've already discussed, already discussed, how much does it reinforce self-acceptance when you know that you're engaging with something that's going to treat you the same as it treats everybody else, regardless of background, status, wealth, anything. And here I'm referring to Bitcoin, right? Like where else do you have that type of relationship? You know, there's always right. some kind of intermediary. There's always some kind of right. difference right. in, in approach or right. treatment, right. 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 but now you're, you're exactly. engaging with something that basically says to you in how it treats you, yeah. you're, you're just as valid as anybody else, right. you know? Exactly. And then, and then you get to engage in a network Yes, that, yes. that helps you steer how you might continue to right. engage in the process of refinement, yes, you know? Definitely. And I think that for me, when I, when I discovered Bitcoin and Bitcoiners, I guess, and when I finally was able to accept myself, then I realized everything, like all the things that I've, I've, I've done in my life, um, you know, working hard to do, to achieve something, you know, whether that it's the, the code for social justice or, you know, defending freedom or whatever, you know, it was driven basically was my desire to go home. I wanted to return back home, you know, where I came from. And, and I think that, you know, somebody said once that all sickness is homesickness and that cure is, you know, brought by us returning home. And, and yeah, so I think that I realized that it's, it's just, yeah, I wanted to go back home and somehow like we are exiled from, from the, the state of paradise or, or, or the world as it is, you know, and uh, the world is intervened that we cannot have a connection to the world as it is, you know, world that just, just as it is perfect, you know, and that, um, and somehow we started the journey that we have to keep going, we cannot go back, you know, um, and, and, uh, and I think Bitcoin brings us, each one of us, back home, and that once we go back home, then, you know, it's, it's like the, um, is it the T.S. Eliot, I think he wrote this uh, poem that, you know, after exploring, you know, we shall, ne we shall never uh, cease from exploration. At the end of exploration, you know the place for the first time. And that's it, you know, it, it was the moment of, okay, now I actually somehow something happened. <laughs> you know, my brain was blown up or whatever that I was able to go back <laughs> to, mm where I come from or, you know, before I developed my rational thinking or whatever, you know, when, where I was one with my heart, you know, and, and that I, I, I'm at peace with myself, you mm -hmm. know, and that state of peace that 
is generated from each person as a presence, I think that's spread, you know? So it's not like, you know, I think Bitcoiners are trying to make someone happy or trying to do something, you know, but it's the state of being, the state of peacefulness, you know, the authenticity that come from that state of peace, peace at the energetic level that create a network effect, a powerful network effect that allow everyone to, you know, invite everyone to go home, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, I, you know, that's, I think, and it's not going home, this return back home, it's not to regress back to this infantile stage, you know, but it's, it's to um, bring wisdom, wisdom that you attained through the journey, you know, the pain, suffering, and, you know, and some of us are wounded, you know, in the process, you know, and then, and, and, and go back to that, that state of peacefulness, I guess, and um, frame your own individuality that, that's something that makes you be a unique person. And so I think that that's what Bitcoin is kind of facilitating, I think. It's kind of each, you know, bringing each person, like it's almost like a protocol is calling each person to come home, you know? And then once you come home and you become Bitcoiner, go down the deep into the rabbit hole, you know, somehow you find the treasure, you know, it's you, you are engaged in this hero and heroine's journey. And then you find this treasure of individuality, that's something that is just eternal, like eternal value that gives, you know, mm. and then once you attain this, you never feel like you need to become someone else, you know, right. you, you, you accept yourself fully, then mm. of course, you know, you could accept that other person freely as well. You don't accept, you don't need to make other person to be somebody else, you know, because you are, you know, you are happy. You are, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I think that deep transformation that is happening um, around this technology, I mean, that's, that's, I think, you know, how would you say that? I mean, that's spiritual. I mean, that's again, like go back to the second coming of the Christ, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, that's the only way yeah. that I can describe this, right? Yeah, I, I think that's extremely yeah. well said. And the only thing I'll add, I guess, is to that point, you know, I, I think we've reflected already on, on on the fact that it seems to be that relationships amongst Bitcoiners seem to develop very rapidly and, you yes. know, on a, on a level, on a level of authenticity and depth that is quite rare. Right. And, you know, maybe it's the case that by virtue of, you know, you, you could almost say like, what is love? Well, lo- lo- part of love is someone treating you as though they're not separate from them. Like they're giving you the equal right. assignment of divinity and the equal assignment of un- unconditional love. And yes. that creates mm-hmm. a connection. And, you know, this, protocol is establishing relationships, albeit quote unquote economic between us and which is basically saying, you're not different from them. You're not different from them. them. You're all connected by the, in the same way. And, and to each of you is ascribed the same treatment and value. And maybe that's just not only, of course, is that attracting, you know, people that might see that and be uh, attracted to it and coming in, but maybe it's just training everyone who's engaged to that to, Right. Be 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 looking at relationships in that way. Yes. And and if right. if we're if we if we can kind of extend and say, well, that is the basis of loving relationships, then this thing would seem to be at least fostering or, or yes. training or incentivizing people to treat each other on similar terms, which you might yes. call, you know, love in in some yes. way, you know, obviously not yes. romantic, but like right. You know, um, and then, you know, I think that's something that I was kind of, uh, I, I was thinking about the, how the fiat system is debt-based, right? It's, it's the debt, so that it's, it's uh, 
you know, you have, you owe something, it's I owe you and I, I owe you something. And then so, and um, it's, it's kind of uh, based on this expectation, the future expectation of repayment, you know, and then Bitcoin is a new class of asset. It's not uh, debt-based. And, and so when I think about this, it's like when you act out of love, you know, if you do something because you love to do, you know, if you do something for someone you love or you, you engage in uh, activities that give you tremendous love and joy, you don't expect anything in return, right? Like, I mean, I think that most of us don't expect anything in return. You know, like you do things um, because the act itself give you already value. It, the action activity or, you know, engaging with that person itself gives, produces already in, in, intrinsic value. So you don't expect uh, anything in return. So that does not incur debt. You know, it that doesn't expect the future repayment, you know. Mm -hmm. And what would it be like to create a transaction, you know, network exchanges with people based on love, not based on debt? So that, you know, you are just doing it, you know, because you love doing it and you, you don't expect anything in return. And that love secures freedom because you are allowing someone to be free in, in their response. You know, they don't have to pay me back, you see. So I think Bitcoin started, I think, you know, the Satoshi actually started uh, with the invention of Bitcoin, started a new cycle of gifting, new cycle uh, of, you know, something that radically different from what we have, you know, and that again, you know, going back to Christian thing, you know, that it, Satoshi paid, paid our sin, you know, that, that, it's, that we don't have any karma or something, that now we can start a new civilization based on love, you know, and, and that we don't have to be enslaved by this. I have to repay, you know, the sense of relationship based on necessity and obligation, you know, but relationship based on love that we can mm -hmm. maybe, you know, strive for that you know, completely new relationship, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, like, of course, we're, we're using what some will, will seem as like woo-woo language, but I mean, right. <laughs> it, it, may, it makes sense, you know? And, yeah. and just the, the, the final point about Bitcoiners and, and how when many times when we meet each other at conference and stuff, there's, there's a lot of love, right? There's a lot of hugging, there's a lot of engaged conversations, there's a lot of respect. And, it, you know, back to that point about this, this system reinforcing or fostering that it's like, it would right. be weird almost to engage with people economically on terms that assign equal value to both, right? Same treatment. Everyone's the same. Everyone's connected right. with no yeah. intermediary. And then to show up in person and be like, Oh, I'm way better than you. Or like, you know, to, to have that disparity. <laughs> right. And right. so I, it just seems yeah. to be uh, creating these relationships that are already predicated on a type of like the, the fundamentals of, or the principles of love. And then when you actually right. just get together in the flesh, you get to, exactly. you get to make it more real in some way. Yeah. It's like abundance. Like we are not there to extract something. Like we are not here to get something, you know, um, but just the, we are all abundant. So like we are just sharing, you know, what we have kind of, you know, and I don't know about you, but have, do you feel like when you see Bitcoiners, you know, do you feel like you know them? Like there is oh, this yeah. connection that, wow, you know, totally. I, I only met this person like for 30 minutes, but I feel like, oh my God, you know, she's or he might be like a friend for life kind of, you know? A hundred percent. It's happened many, many times. And again, like 
should should we not expect that because those people too submitted themselves to these values right, exactly. that are the limitations right, right, of the right, system exactly. they submitted themselves to truth yes. they submitted themselves to freedom so if we've both done that that i mean we've already that's 99 percent of the way on a you know a, yes, a relationship right. you know and then maybe we chose so, to come here to do that to be a part of this right part of this experiment so that you know how how many percentage of people that i mean you know you know what i mean it's like for us to meet you know face to face i mean that's like incredible right it's it's almost like there is this mutual agreement or contract or something that goes deep you know uh, it's not it, it just didn't happen accidentally like you know this person lived there you know his or her life and then come to this come to blockchain you know at this time and then like you're saying and decided to be a part of it right i mean that's that's quite amazing you know it's it's incredible i mean like right. i say anytime i go to a conference like half the time is just spent hugging you know because <laughs> like right. and and i I've, I've i've brought this up on the podcast before but you know because there's a lot of uh like nims on twitter and stuff right, right? so right. You, you've never actually seen their face you don't know anything about yes, them yes, but they'll right. come up and they'll be like i'm so and so and even though you've never you don't know anything about them other than they're right. in like they're a bitcoiner and maybe you've seen some tweets and you're like I know you give me a hug, you know, it's, it's, right, um, right. Who, who knows if this will last and how it'll play out and all that kind of stuff. There's many unknowns, but, uh, yes. as you said a few minutes ago, just incredibly excited and grateful to be around, to, to see this unfold right. and, and may, and participate, right. participate in it in some small way. Yes. Well, we covered a lot of ground. Is there anything, yeah. uh, you wanted to discuss or get off your chest before we shut it down? Um, I, I do really appreciate your work, you know, what you do. And, you know, you bring, um, you know, uh, open up a um, space for us to deeply engage, you know, and that, you know, I mean, usually like in a Twitter space, it's kind of more, we cannot go deep, I think, you know, and, but I think that discussion that we're having here is very important. And so I, like to say that I really appreciate your work, you know. Well, thank you. And likewise, I and then you make really me feel like I'm not, I'm not the only one who is crazy, you know. Freaks <laughs> yeah. of the world unite. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I very much appreciate that. And and I the same back to you. I've really enjoyed your writing and and recently some of the other I listened to you on Alex's podcast as well. And um, look, I mean, like I said at the beginning. We might be 100% wrong on all this, but I don't think we're ever going to know unless right. we have these conversations and we're not afraid yes, to have yes. them. And we right. try to show up with logic and reason and historical yes. context and everything and try to be honest with each other and try to be pursuing the truth rather than whatever else, the yes. truth the truth above all else. And yes. maybe at some point we'll wind up in a better place. I mean, that's, that's the role, of, that's the element of faith. Pursue yes. that, maybe things will be better in the future. And so yes. I thank you for you know, being a, a willing participant in, in this kind of discussion today. And I'm sure we'll have another one at some point in the future. Yes. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, Nozomi. See ya. Thank you.
Let me up, let 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 up